cults over here. Cults over there. There are cults everywhere. And we're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there was a man with life-giving breath, and he could ingest raw vegetables and make magic. And he was a really good hang glider. Ooh, he sounds exciting. <laughs> he is. Are we going to talk about him now? I think we should. I want to know all about him. Let's get to the source of this. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Rachel. And I'm Alan. And we are here to bring you yet another group that we are going to tell you if we deem it a cult or not. Yeah. And today, Rachel brought to the table the Source family. Yes. It turns out that Southern California is, <laughs> and specifically Los Angeles, is the headquarters of cults. In you the know, world. I actually have a map that shows all the different groups. What? Where did you get such an exciting map? My beautiful, lovely, smart, intelligent friend, Rachel, bought it for me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she sounds amazing. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would all the time. Uh, always going that far. But anyways, yes, <laughs> there are a ton of cults here in Southern California. And this is another one that popped up and was intriguing to me because of the way that it showed up, like, in pop culture. Definitely a lot. At the time that it was happening, it was in movies, it was in the movie Annie Hall. Um, it was made fun of on SNL, which officially makes it a cult. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and they even had like all of their studio albums, they like had a band, mm -hmm. they released albums and people bought them. Wow. I mean, <laughs> and people bought them. People bought them and then listened to them probably while taking psychedelics. Yeah, and having sex. Yes. All the important things. So the source was started by Mr. James Edward Baker. He was mm. born July 4th, 1922 in Cincinnati, Ohio. America. America. <laughs> and he was awarded a silver star in World War II. This is fact. It actually Possibly. happened. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he, he, he said he was awarded it, but there's no record of that. Record schmeckards. You know, there's a couple things <laughs> in his origin story um, that... He says happened, and you can't necessarily find any proof that it did happen. And I think this happens a few times with cult leaders that we've experienced. Yeah, all yeah. the time. What? <laughs> we should make that one of our tenants. Yes. Did they lie did about they? <laughs> <laughs> Did they create a magical mythology around themselves? Like my favorite one was that he said at the age of 12, he was named America's Strongest Boy. I'm not sure. Who <laughs> named him? Like, what contest was there to be America's strongest boy? But he got it, age 12. Ooh. But he grew up to be a strapping lad. Yeah, he, and, and an expert jujitsuist. <laughs> yes, all the judo championships. Yes. He might not have been the most responsible <laughs> judo user. Um, he might have used it to murder some yes. people. But... I'm, it, he, I think he used, like, self-defense and stuff to get off on a bunch of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he was, like, attacked by someone with a knife, and then he, like, 
punched him in the throat and he died. Yep. And then he was like with this other woman who was married and him and the guy kind of had like a dual thing. And then he <laughs> karate chopped him twice in the throat. Judo, judo, chop, chop. And then shot him because apparently <laughs> chopping isn't enough. Wow. That's some Indiana Jones stuff right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it truly was. So he actually, he moved to L.A. to be a stuntman of all things. Mm. Rando. I mean, he's six foot four, strong, versed in hand-to-hand combat. I mean, sounds like a pretty great fit to me. And maybe that's why he's so good at ink lighting. Probably. (laughs) He was also good at attracting the women, too. Apparently, he's all the qualities that you had mentioned. He was just attracting women left and right. Well, and did you see pictures of him when he was younger (laughs) in his army outfit? Mm -mm. Oh, my goodness. Like, he wasn't, like, the most attractive person, but when I saw him, I was like, wow. Yeah. He was attractive. I don't know why people were flocking to him when he had mountain man hair, (laughs) but... When he was younger and in the army, clean cut, strapping. Mm. 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 <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'll show you. He'll agree. Get a towel. Chair. <laughs> we got to save it and give it to yeah. him so he can drink it. <laughs> Speaking of drinking, um, he was greatly inspired in L.A. by the Nature Boys, who were a group of people who lived a vegetarian and natural lifestyle. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Vegetarianism. Mm. I just love it. <laughs> Are you a vegetarian now because of this group? Uh, I will never be a vegetarian. <laughs> never. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was that and. Also, when he was younger, it did sound like he kind of got into alcohol a bit. He was very heavily alcoholic at this time. So it's like, it's interesting to be so healthy on one end and be like, I'm only going to eat this healthy stuff, but then be getting sloshed off your ass. And like, (laughs) why aren't I getting well? Oh no, why? I don't understand. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, I guess when he was younger too, he didn't really have a father figure in his life. Um, So he actually found... Basically, a, a, for lesser or better word, like a replacement for his for a dad through one of his close friends named Patricia Bragg. Her father, Paul Bragg, who is apparently the originator of health food stores. Yes. And yes. so do you know where you'll know him from is those apple cider mm. vinegar. Yeah. And if you ever watch the documentary, uh, Patricia, like She's when they so interview her. stylish. Yes. But you'll see bottles of oh, apple cider vinegar, vinegar behind her. Yeah. Oh. Like, that looks familiar. I've seen that before. Oh, I just thought she was so beautiful, like with her pastel colors and yeah, like flowers. Oh, I was dying. It was beautiful. And she just seemed so happy and sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she she wasn't around for all the scary or next level things. She remembers Jim fondly as a dear, beloved family friend, as a brother-like figure who would go on hikes with her father and who inspired him to be healthy. And was a good hang glider. <laughs> You're going to ruin the ending. I know. At this point in the story, he hasn't hang glided yeah. any times yet. That was one thing Paul did not teach him. No. No, they were hiking. They were not hang gliding. They go to the top of that mountain. They would not then jump off. It. That was for later. <laughs> so here's where we 
start to see one of the first warning signs is when he's 43, he meets his love, Robin, and they marry. She is 19. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, But their love, like, even in this documentary, when you see them together in those early days, like, they seem genuinely in love. There Mm -hmm. is a lot of love between them. Robin just is head over heels for him. And it's really interesting seeing her talk in the documentary because I feel like she is still reeling from that today, from being involved with this narcissist um, who kind of took things way off the deep end in a rather quick period time. Um, But yes, so he did meet her and she was really unhealthy as a child. She was getting sick all the time, but he kind of helped her. He was like, here, we have to start eating healthy and doing all this. And then she kind of became a lot more healthy and didn't need to be trying to go to the doctor all the time. He helped heal her. And so there was a lot of love there. And a lot of people looked up to him and these things that he was teaching about raw and vegetarian food. And I know that prior, just prior to her being around, he was involved with like a young French girl who got him really into like speed (laughs) and and hard stuff. Yes, it's really good. You you see this bus? It can't slow down. Yeah. Was that Sandra Bullock, the, the French girl? Yes. <laughs> She's very French. Bullock. No, I don't even, that's not French at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yes, um, so he had been kind of into those harder drugs, but then in kind of going into this more health area, he got a little bit more involved with the sacred herb of marijuana (laughs) and also um, like it seemed like psychedelics were fairly present. Yeah. And I would say Robin had a very influential, what am I, what's the word? She was very influential in his life because she's the one who apparently persuaded him to leave um, training under Bajan. Yes. Yogi Bajan. Yogi Bajan. So he was training under Bajan. He left in 1960 then to pursue his own life as an instructor. Yes. And this is where we start to see him amassing these followers and yeah. he becomes Father Yod. He's super influenced by the teachings of Yogi Bajan. And I think the thing that he is most influenced by is seeing all the wealth that this mm-hmm. guy has, seeing the young women mm-hmm. flocking around. He's like, do this. I think I could do this. And Robin is definitely like hundred percent. You're amazing. You can do anything you want. Um, he actually, before getting into that, had gotten all these different restaurants and there was a lot of tales. Like apparently he robbed two to 11 banks, yeah. you know, it's a very, a very specific range of two to 11 bank robbery robberies to fund these restaurants. And he had a handful of restaurants at this time. So he started with, um, let's see here. What were all those restaurants called? I had a list of them somewhere. Yes. Yes. Oh, so the Aware Inn, which was actually one of the first natural food restaurants in the U.S. And it kind of became, it was like 
the source before the source happened. Um, source of the source. <laughs> the source of the source. Um, and then the Discovery Inn in Topanga, the Old World Restaurant. Um, and these restaurants did really well, but he would just like go in and take all the money from the register to be like, this is my money, these are my restaurants. And then they'd open in the morning and be like, we don't have money. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so he wasn't the best manager. No. Um, so he kind of like sold off all those, and then the source happened. And the source is something that became like huge mm-hmm. in LA. It was the vegetarian restaurant, it was all about conscious living, and you had like famous people kind of flocking in for that aspect of it. Like you could see the hippest of Hollywood there. John Lennon. Oh, yes. And you'll go, oh, no. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Goldie Hawn was reported yeah. to be there, too. Um, yeah. So it was like, it was kind of like the Earth Cafe of the time. <laughs> <laughs> like our, fa- our famous people flocking to Earth Cafe? Um, I mean, the, the ones I've been to, everyone always talks about, like, oh, the one on Melrose is a good oh, Okay, there we go. Because I know the one in Pasadena, and that's just <laughs> yeah. way too far out to drive, so... <laughs> Yeah, and it was reported that in its day, the source was making upwards of $10,000 a day. Yeah, it was, at the time, um, was the high, like, of the square footage, they made the most of square foot um, across all restaurants, I think, in the U, at least the U.S., so. Yeah. A lot of money. And they managed to save a lot of money on labor, Mm. surprisingly, because, so, it kind of (laughs) started... When wife Robin puts a sign out front and says, like, meditation class, be there, be square. And she really encouraged him to lead these meditation class. He had up above the source was this, like, little kind of loft room that they had covered, the walls covered in fabric and, and candles. And I was like, that looks like a really cozy room. <laughs> I want to go do meditation there. <laughs> And so people came and they started taking these meditation classes, but then people kind of started flocking to become students of Father Yod or Yod. I heard it said a couple ways, so I'm not sure which way it is supposed to be said. I think it's Yod too. Um, Short for Yoda, (laughs) because he's a good teacher. (laughs) There's no facts to back this up, but we'll go with it. But so they're all like flocking to him. And then what they would do is they would convince people to then stay and work at the restaurant and also give up any of their earthly possessions that they had prior to this to like sell those off and give all the proceeds to the group to help support them. And then you would work at the restaurant. So then they didn't have to pay you because you're working there and you're just part of this group now and being taken care of. By the family. Aww. Oh, it's so sweet. No. What? <laughs> Why isn't it sweet? It's not enough sugar. Oh. And also, if we want to say a name, Father Yod also went by Yahuwah. Yes, that came later. Yeah. I was just giving other options. Oh, yes. Other well, Yoda. In case Yod is too hard to pronounce, how about Yahuwah? How about that? <laughs> so with his over $10,000 a day, Father Yod decided, I'm going to buy a mansion in the Hollywood Hills. 
Ooh. Ooh. And we're all just going to put our money toward that, and we're all going to live together. It's going to be great. It's going to be the mother house. I don't know how that many people lived in one house. We saw a video of people, like, hanging out the windows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense. I know that... I don't know that they... They were only in the mother house for a short period of time before then moving to the father house. Um, and I know with that one, they did a lot of like building and they created like cubbies that you would sleep in. Yeah, like a beehive almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I knew that place had like hardly any bathrooms and all those people. And um, it was intense. Yeah, it was 140 people living in a three bedroom house. Oh, that's too many. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the rent would be great, but... <laughs> <laughs> Here's my quarter. I know. <laughs> I paid my part. <laughs> I've paid my whole. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he has all these people coming to him. They're creating this family. And it, it grew out of the idea of healthy, organic living. And he's taking in lots of kids off the street. This was at a time when it really was kind of like the hippie movement, the um, people wanting to kind of be connected to nature and wanting to rebel against their parents. And um, like, so they would take in like kids off the street. And so that was a big problem. Because a lot of underage people would come. And so they had people like cops looking at them for this because you had to have a special license to take in like runaways and stuff like that. And then they're also, this is looking a little statutory rapey over here. And like some of these people, their parents were actively trying to get them back. But they would ditch school and they would go there to be with the Source family and be part of the Source family. So he had this really great idea. It's a really good idea, you guys. He was like, you know what? I know you all are minors, but if you get married, then your husband or, well, yeah, it was usually young women. Let's just put it out there. It was usually young women. It was very rarely young boys in this position. Um, so then your husband becomes your kind of guardian person and you don't have to worry about your parents trying to take you back. It's a great idea. You Which, guys, isn't there a law that like, if you're underage, you have to get consent from your parents. I mean, now there is, okay. I don't know what it was like yeah. in this time period, but apparently it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked for a lot of people. And then people in the family started going to change their last name because now they are the Aquarian family. So everyone is now becoming an Aquarian. But if you're going to go in and change your last name, why just change your last name? Why don't we have our first name changed too? Do we want to know some of the names? Go for it. So we have really good names like Omne, the Aquarian. Yahweh, Yahweh three, <laughs> like that. Like they just put a number on it. Uh, Zinaru, Harvest Moon, Octavius, Jin, Orbit, Electra, Galaxy, Toilet, <laughs> Electricity, <laughs> Isis, Magus, Sunflower, Heaven, and Makushla. 
I feel like she got the raw end of the deal there. Makushla. Makushla. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so many better names. Yeah. I mean, in the film, I don't know if you caught this, but Orbit, he actually hated his name apparently. He was like, I was named Orbit and my wife is named Electra. <laughs> so jealous of her. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. Oh, yeah. He Orbit was great. I, I, I liked I would, him. Yeah. Him like and Electra were pretty cool. And it was really interesting seeing them still together yeah. mm-hmm. today. Uh, after living through this together and And weren't were they the ones that they were pulled apart at one point, told to like Yes. Okay. We'll come back to that. We shall get there. But yeah, so at this time, uh, there's a lot of young girls running around. Let's remember that red flag that Sean (laughs) planted earlier. 43-year-old father, Yod, had married an 18-year-old. So obviously he likes younger girls. I'm not even going to say women. Girls. Yes. So now there's all these girls running around. He starts... Getting into his head that he needs multiple wives. Yes. So he starts marrying himself to younger girls. He eventually has 14 wives. Yes. And what's odd is he didn't really talk to Robin about this beforehand. Well, I mean, he kind of did in that he came up to her and said, what do you think if I had more wives? And she was like, fuck you, you pervert. Yeah. And he's like, cool. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And this is when actually Magus was like, all right, guys, I'm out. Like, this isn't right anymore. <laughs> He's marrying little girls. Yeah. I, well, I think he had a big problem there, but wasn't one of his big, his big departure wasn't, didn't he have the son that had an oh, yeah, ear actually, infection? Fact, yeah. And so one of the things in the natural living is my goodness gracious, we can't possibly take medicine or see a doctor. And so I, I'm really happy that this person, when his child was in danger, when he saw how sick his child was, he he said they would like shine colored yeah. lights on him and like be blowing smoke on him. And he's like, I need to take him to a doctor. And that was kind of his breaking yeah. point with the group. Um, I, it's like a disco is going to cure you. <laughs> wow. Smoke machines, lights. Are you feeling better? Um, well rachel you're not the only one with the list of names i too can read off some names for you (gasps) oh wonderful these are the names of his 14 wives Ooh, makushala your favorite (laughs) isis Mm. astral 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 heaven Mm -hmm. prison Aquariana. Oh, Harvest. <laughs> Harvest Moon. Galaxy. Lovely. She was actually really ugly. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, if you're out there, she lovely. Was really you're very, lovely. You're I was just going for the irony. Uh, Peralda. Hepatia. Tantalio. And Venus. And then uh, Robin, who is now going by Ahom. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it seems like when he took on all these new wives, like him and Robin really didn't have much of a relationship after that. She was still in the family, Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't seem like she was involved with him. Like she'd get mad if he tried to call her honey. And it was a really big heartbreaking thing for her, for him to take all these wives. When they first started they went to all these different religious teachings and they took little aspects of different teachings and they had these 10 commandments. And one of them is that like, 
there shall be man and woman and nothing shall become between them. It's supposed to be the sacredness of the connection of like the marriage monogamy. Yeah, the one man, one woman. Yeah, but then suddenly he's like, I feel like having many wives. So he just kind of decided, you know that thing that I had before? Just going to throw that away. Don't need that anymore. And it was a little heartbreaking to me because a lot of his wives would describe this as they loved Robin. She was their mother figure. And they didn't want to be with Yod. They didn't want to betray Robin but they felt like they had to because this is their father telling them to do something. Yes. And that was a big thing that happened with this cult was that Father Yod was this father figure. And at this time, it seemed like a lot of people were looking for that. Um, it seems like a lot of the people that came to the cult didn't have a great relationship with their father or with their family. And they were looking and yearning for a place to be taken care of. And that's kind of what he, he really came across as this loving father figure that's like, come here, we'll take care of you. You are part of the family now. And it was so interesting in the, the Source family documentary, which we all watched, um, because they interviewed a whole bunch of the people now talking about their experiences in it. And so a handful of them told their first experience of meeting him. Um, one woman talked about how she had kind of like snuck out and got there and, or no, it wasn't that she snuck out. Um, it was Isis, I think, the historian who she was in a relationship with this like rock photographer and they had a great relationship it looked like, but then she was looking for men that looked like Jesus <laughs> for one of his photo shoots. And she's like, I hear about this place. And then she went there and was just like overwhelmed by the amazing atmosphere happening here. And then when father Yod came down, he was just like your home and he embraced her And then she tried to convince her boyfriend at the time, like, hey, come with me, like sell all your stuff, quit your job, give everything to the cult. Let's move here. And he's like, yo, crazy. Stop. (laughs) What are you doing? And she, she to this day is all in on the source family, like believes that she is still talked to by father Yod to spread the word and represent the family. Well, like a lot of the stuff in this documentary was the footage that she took, the pictures that she took. She's still very in love with the family and what they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I thought it was funny how a lot of people in the documentary said, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't, but I don't regret it. <laughs> but I, w- I wouldn't change my experiences that I had. Cause I had a lot of amazing experiences, but no, I would never do it again. <laughs> never do it again. And one of the things that I thought was really funny watching this documentary, if you guys were watching it with me, you would have laughed with me, but somebody was so amazed by Yahweh speeches he just comes into the room and he riffs and he basically was just talking like a black person of the time <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it reminded you of like a beat poet yeah. sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah it definitely has that vibe it seems like they played like some music in the background and he would just be like hey guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what are you feeling about life today 
because I have these feelings. So it's like very beat poet. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just talking and thinking about things. And um, people were very drawn in by this and found a lot of knowledge, I guess. So it reminds me, you can make fun of me all you want. That's fine. When I was younger, I went through a period where I really liked Good Charlotte. Like, they weren't one of my favorite bands, but I really liked them. I'm judging you so hard. That's okay. Because I totally had that CD. (laughs) Only the first one. But, like, I remember thinking some of the band members were so cute. Like, I think the... Mm, the Benji. Oh. Yeah, Benji and Joel were also very cute. <laughs> but, like, I think it's funny now when I go back and look at their pictures with their hair and everything, I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> or, or like, Adrian from No Doubt when he had oh, the yeah. cheetah hair, and oh. we were just like, he is so <laughs> sexy. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Cheetah hair, you guys. That's how I look at this group of people, because the way they talked about stuff that Father Yo would, would do, like, as an adult looking at him riffing are like, he would walk into the room and he would just pick up instruments and start wailing. He's basically just beating on his drum. <laughs> he looks like a child, yeah. a child mashing on a big thing. of Yeah. It was very weird. There was a very, definitely there was a childish feeling to everything. So it was like people coming to it really mm-hmm. like innocent and looking for guidance and looking for something to believe in. And here's something that takes in aspects of like all religion and it's really supposed to be all about spirituality and wellness and being close and taken care of. So I definitely see what drew people in, but it's very funny watching it. Yeah. I will say a lot of these people, I kept thinking to myself, they got some beautiful people in this cult. Like, oh, everyone had flowing hair. Everyone, many Jesus men, as we said, like that's usually not my style, but like I can look at it and appreciate like they have good bone structure. I can see the attractiveness happening here. Yeah, um, that was one of the ways they attracted new members too is the women, you know, were so beautiful that, you know, a lot of people wanted to be part of this to be around that, the beauty basically. Mm-hmm. 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 And they had really cool outfits. Like who doesn't want to dress up as a druid, you guys? Or an Atlantean. Oh, yeah. He it's Freemason week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he would, like, whenever they were, like, focusing on one religion, they'd start dressing like these people. You could imagine Native American week oh. that all the guys are wearing. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> yes. And then they're all, like, have their bows and arrows. <laughs> so it's, uh, we look, yeah, you look at it now and with... The way that we look at appropriation now, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But you know what? When I used to work at Verizon with Victoria, when she was on my team, we would have dress-up days, like, every week. And Ooh. nobody on the team would do it except for, like, me and Victoria. So this what? would be the cult for us. <laughs> it's the perfect cult for you guys. Yeah. Dress-up days all the time. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like the go-to outfit that was most sustained through it was like the long flowing white dresses, yeah. long flowing white robes. There was one where he was like in the long flowing robe and he had a staff and they're all in like kind of long flowing dresses and they're walking just around Hollywood Boulevard and he yep. looks like Moses <laughs> like <laughs> with this flock of babes <laughs> around him. It was um, very interesting. I think the strength of... Um, Father Yod was he took, in my opinion, Yogi Bhajan's teachings, which are very Eastern, 
and he westernized them. And then you have this person who's, like you said, an adult baby mm-hmm. <laughs> talking to a younger generation. Yes, yes. Like, and they definitely knew they weren't going to get more followers with the older generation. Um, one of the things is when they moved houses, because eventually a lot of people in the neighborhood around them had problems what? with like a hundred some people <laughs> living in a tiny house there and they were loud and in chaos. And so they had like the building inspectors after them and all this like law enforcement and all that kind of coming down on them. Even child protective services like would come by because there was a lot of concern about how the children were being cared for and raised, um, which as we'll get to later, there are probably reasons mm-hmm. to be concerned. Um, and so they end up, the place they were at, they were just renting it, and it got sold to a wealthy Mexican man or something like that, and he kicks them all out. So they had to go find a new place, and so now they went to the father house, um, which is the one that we're talking about that had, like, the three-bedroom. And um, there they had a garage, a detached garage, and, you know, they definitely don't need more place for putting all these 150 people to sleep. What they do need is a music studio to make recordings of their amazing rock and roll music. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did that. Like, they took a ton of money and completely converted it into it, and this is where they recorded all of their albums, and they couldn't get, like, any of the record companies to kind of sign them and have them go tour normal venues. So... They started touring the high schools mm-hmm. and the colleges. I am concerned that the uh, administrations at the high schools, like Beverly Hills High School, are like, hey, sure. come tell us about your ideas about sex and love. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And he even like was talking. There was footage of one of these where he's like, I could be your father. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, why are you exposing young yeah. teens to this? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, especially someone who is known to marry minor, or minors. Like, yeah. just bring him to the source of the, the issue. Ah, the source. <laughs> <laughs> so the band was called Yahoo 13. Mm. And they sound like... So, if you're familiar with the doors, this would be, like, the cupboards. (laughs) 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 Like, the voice sounds very much to me like Jim Morrison, but then it's just, like, a few words are saying a lot of times, and then just all instrumental after that. Mm -hmm. And actually, I feel like the instrumental isn't awful. No, it's It's actually quite enjoyable, and I was like, ooh, this is, like, neat. But then the minute the singing started, it was just like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Put that away. But these albums became a popular item because they were hard to get. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, some people would buy them directly from the back room of the source. (laughs) Yes, for $10. For $10. But now you could probably spend thousands of dollars on it just to have the privilege of owning it as a collector of psychedelic music. <laughs> Are you not a collector of psychedelic music? Well, I, I haven't started yet, but maybe I will. Maybe you will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that became a big thing for them and a new a way to get new people in uh, to come and join. And then there did end up being a point 
where things really kind of started transitioning, let's say. Um, in the beginning, it was very much people coming together for this healthy lifestyle. And like the women kind of felt empowered in this. They felt empowered to choose their partners and stuff like that. Um, but then they kind of started like father Yod would assign the women. Basically he would like, if you were a favorite of his, he would like award you a woman. So we had our dear friends, Electra and Orbit who were together and happy together. And one day Isis comes down and is like, father Yod wants to see you, Electra. And they take her up there and he's like, Electra, you are with Mercury now. And then she was with Mercury until she was given further instructions. And she's not even the best of the Sailor Scouts. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say the pictures like of her, like there was a weird picture of her, like maybe like bathing him or something. Like he was standing and maybe it's like a sponge bath or something, or maybe getting him dressed or something. And I was like, I see why they named him Mercury. He looks like like an Adonisy kind mm-hmm. of weird Greek god thing with this flowing hair and yeah yeah I mean wasn't my type but I was like Mercury okay <laughs> I was very fortunate to be um, assigned you Rachel <gasps> I'm so lucky <laughs> <laughs> I would have chosen you too thanks <laughs> um it's funny that we yeah. see this as like. A recurring motif in a lot of these groups in that it's just swapping <laughs> swapping uh, spouses. Well, yeah. And I guess then for me as a woman, I'm just like, why is it in every cult that women just go in and are like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I'm going to let you make me do whatever you want me to do. So I'm waiting to see that. Like, I, there are a couple female-led cults, but even in those ones, I feel like they're ones in which the women are still super controlled within it. I want to see an Amazonian, you know, Wonder Woman's tribe (laughs) cults where women are the ones making the decisions and peddling out the men. Next week's episode will be the mascara. The mascara, (laughs) yay! We'll talk about the Amazonians that raised Wonder Woman. Yes. (laughs) So there's interesting things happen now. Like, in... 1972, and April 7th, 1972, a day and many years before my birthday. (laughs) Um, Not that many. (laughs) 12 years before my birthday. The first child of the family is born. So one of the things with them kind of like controlling who's together, they were also trying to have children. They wanted women to be pregnant was important to them that women became pregnant because these children are going to become the saints and sages that bring in the Aquarian age. Age of Aquarian. No. Oh, age oh, of Aquarian. <laughs> I see what you're doing. I see you. Aquarian. Yeah, I'm pretty sure hair was just based on this. Mm. But anyways, first child is born. And it is a home birth, and it is rough. So it is our dear friend, Heaven, who was one of the 12-year-olds that was running away to be here. Uh, 
she then married Sunflower and at age 16 became pregnant with Sunflower and she's having their child. It's 22 hours of labor and they're like, hmm, something might not be right. Um, so they do eventually, the, the child comes and the umbilical cord is wrapped around its neck as it comes out. And if you would like to see <laughs> I would not. this miracle of life, nope. you can. <laughs> you can see it. Just know if you're eating gumbo and watching this, <laughs> when you start to see pregnant stuff happening, press Run away. pause, Run eat away. the rest of your food, and then press play later. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. So it comes out, and tragically, the umbilical cord is wrapped around the child's neck, and the child is stillborn. But Father Yod takes the child he cries up to God and says, if you let this child live, I will speak only your words from this day forward. He breathes life into the child, and the child lived. It's a miracle. Otherwise known as CPR. <laughs> it was a miracle. Oh, sorry, sorry. And he flushed, he shone like flashlights in front of the baby too, right? And smoke. <laughs> and glow sticks and everything. Had a disco for the baby, and then the baby was back. And so this was the first child born. He named him Solomon because goodness knows the parents cannot be trusted to name their old children. No. Like when you are a cult leader, that is a privilege reserved for you. Um, named the baby Solomon. And it was the first of the children of the source family of the Aquarians to be born. Yay! This would be followed by 50, was it 55 home births? I made a note somewhere. Like I have 51. 51? Yeah. Over five years, 51 home births. Yeah. Wow. Amidst this 140 people. I was surprised that out of having 14 wives, apparently Yod himself only had three children with 14 wives. Well, I don't, I'm sure you had the same pleasure of seeing the family jewels of Father Yod many times while watching the source thing. I think he might be compensating for some things, you guys, with his confidence and with me. Yeah, he, there's not a lot there. <laughs> so his children. Their names. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to talk about how tiny his no. dick was? <laughs> it's very small. Tau. Tau. Yod. Yod. And Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really sweet. That was sweet. Yeah, I wish the other two were Blossom and Bubbles. <laughs> Blossom and Bubbles. And together they formed... The Powerpuff Power Girls. <laughs> yes. So good times. Good times. Babies are being born. Happy family. And so then comes the spiritual boot camp. Mm. And you might recognize some of the really great techniques used in this boot camp. He would wake people up at 4 a.m. in the morning and say, we're going out in the pool. And then he'd have them all jump into the freezing cold pool at 4 a.m. in the morning and to just awaken themselves. And they would then do some of the sacred herb. They would, I think it was like breathing it in for 
like six seconds and you just breathe it in once for six seconds. And that's your little puff of the sacred herb. And then you do all these like exercises in it. You stand in star, you're doing all these interesting like hand movements and body movements and breathing techniques. And there's actually a lot of proof well, like, first of all, a lot of, I feel like for some reason people don't know this. Marijuana is a psychedelic. It has, it can have the psychedelic properties to it. It's just a lot more subtle than say our good friends, the mushrooms. Um, and there's a lot that you can do when partaking of it to kind of really invite in that psychedelic experience. And a lot of the stuff that they were doing was giving the people, they're like, this was like getting a trip on LSD off of marijuana. Wow. <laughs> so it was kind of making it extra potent, but at the same time, it was like, you know, keeping them from sleeping. Um, and then physically exhausting them and then indoctrinating them with, uh, mm. certain thoughts and ideas through meditation. Uh, so really good stuff, you guys. Okay. <laughs> really good stuff going on. Um, Ooh, and my favorite is they only ate raw food and it had to be eaten within 15 minutes of being cut. Otherwise it lost its life force. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the healthy way to live, you guys. So it sucks for food prep. Yeah. Well, I'm like, where are you, do they really have enough food being like grown on site? Or maybe it's like it could be picked before, but it couldn't be cut. Because otherwise, like, how the heck would that work out? Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to have a lot of plants. Or are they just going to the garden and eat fresh out of there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it is hard to garden, you guys. Yeah. Like, sometimes your dog eats it, sometimes the chickens eat it. <laughs> it's hard. So, good things happening. And about this time, we're like, hey, ceremonial magic. Yay! I mean, it's the natural next step, right? Yeah. Yeah, we want that. Um, so they started doing, like, ceremony-type rituals. And there was this thing called... The Halls of Amonti. <laughs> Do you remember this part? So I guess this was a mystical place in the center of the earth. And after doing like the breathing exercises and the sacred herb, you could drop into the Halls of Amonti for interesting experiences there. And it was so funny because the guy that was a member that was talking about this, he's like, oh, this is what the Halls of Amonti are like. I never went there. <laughs> it made me die. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess you're not crazy. Um, but he said this while he was wearing like a weird cloaky cape thing oh, and that guy, living yeah. completely off the grid. <laughs> I have food squirreled away. I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not going to tell you. Don't I'm try surprised to find out. even with them film. I know. said where he lives. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he got really into actually, it's going to take us all the way back to our first episode of the season, sex magic. Sex magic, sex, sex magic, magic, sex Forget magic, about sex, the baby. Magic. <laughs> so if you remember Jack Parsons, he was also very into sex magic and both got into it through Golden Dawn. Yes, which we might learn about sometime in the future. What? <laughs> 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 
Yes. So if you remember some of the aspects that we uh, discussed before, there's uh, some invoking going on. Or if you need to get into an apartment. <laughs> you might want to invoke. Yeah. Upon the sigils mm-hmm. with your wand. With your wand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with sex magic, it really sees... Um, like it's doing normal magic spells, but then amplifying them through sexual energy, which sometimes it could be shared and like sex between two people, or it can just be masturbating upon things. Or, um, I guess it was so funny in the, um, documentary because i feel like they kind of glazed over this they and like did, yeah. and then there was some sex magic but i didn't really like that so let's keep talking <laughs> yeah. um so some of the other stuff that like i kind of happened upon in my research was that it was like a point where a lot of people kind of fell away and one of the big places that really it was where they drew the line was this practice of kadosh where one would take semen and menstrual blood, turn it into the most pleasant of smoothies, and drink it. (laughs) A beautiful, beautiful smoothie. Uh, I heard about these being put into cakes, but smoothies, I don't know, that that takes the cake. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a mix of things. Like, it was was eating it, and so sometimes it was drinking, sometimes it was Mm. putting it into food. Maybe it's a nice, oh no, they talked about the source salad dressing and now i'm concerned <laughs> you should be more concerned that your birthday's coming up and i'm gonna get you a cake oh. i'm really excited <laughs> <laughs> well then maybe i'll need to make you a birthday oh my cake God. Mm. Mm. by the moon's light <laughs> by the moon's light um yeah, uh, so sex magic became really big at this time. <laughs> um, and it's so, I feel like this was one of those ways in which Yod used the idea that, like, this sex isn't sexual, it is about your spiritual growth, which is such, like, like super. Like, it really makes this so rapey <laughs> to me. Like, like this is like trying to pass it off as like, you need to do this to spiritually grow. And if you don't, then you're doing something wrong. It's definitely an aspect of control. Yeah. Sex, magic, sex. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. Um, and around that time was when Yahowah came around as a name. When he's like, now I'm Yahuwah, because not am I just the person that was connecting you to God before. Now I am God. Mm. I am God. And this caused more, some more people sometimes to be like, eh, are you though? Um, but he still had a big following. He still had his big inner circle. And um, they, at this time, he started talking about the nuclear war. Oh, yes. You see, in 1975 or 6, one of the two, there's going to be a nuclear war between three nations, and it's going to bring the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Because what is a cult without a good apocalypse lore? That's how you keep people coming back for more. 
It is. It is. So he believes this, and this kind of like starts this next phase where they sold the restaurant, they packed up, and they moved to Kauai. Oh, geez. And they weren't very welcomed in Hawaii because you have to think this is right after the Manson murders happened. Mm -hmm. So they moved to Hawaii and everybody's like, they're a cult, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. They're very Southern in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know this, (laughs) but um, they were not welcomed kindly. Uh, They, whenever somebody tried to get a job in Hawaii, people would not hire anybody from the source family. (laughs) The police would shadow them to or from their house. Yeah. There was even some like news articles too, that are just like, stay away from these people or where are they coming from? So like all media, this was just around like, against them. And it wasn't just because of who the source family was. They'd also been having some problems with other communes kind of Mm -hmm. coming and settling over there. Uh, So they were already just kind of like, no more of this. We already got Taylor Camp. We got Krishna Camp. And all these hippies on welfare. We don't want it. Yeah. Um, And when they moved, too, they didn't really have money. They spent money on a boat to go fishing and they spent money on a plane so to they could see, see the, the fish. fish. <laughs> this is exactly how one fishes, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't really managing their money responsibly. The whole idea was that they were going to go there and open a health spa and create a amazing international health spa that people could travel to. And then they would also live there and care for it and do their whole commune thing over there. And one thing that it didn't really talk about here in our little documentary was how at this time a whole bunch of people went over there but then um, Mr. Yahua took a bunch of his really close people and he skedaddled for a while. He like went on a trip to Nepal. He went over to San Francisco for a while and was spending tons of money, whining and dining, staying in fancy hotels with his people Um, because not everyone went to Hawaii. There were some people that kind of wandered up to San Francisco and uh, they then had like another other little source home over in San Francisco as well. So he was kind of like going all over the place for a bit, spending more money. Meanwhile, over in Hawaii, he has his followers who can't get jobs have no source of income, like the children and the women start becoming really malnourished. It's not looking good, you guys. But as things get messy, he kind of goes over there and he's like trying to fix some things. There was a journalist that he wanted to meet with to like give an interview and kind of clear the air and be like, we are not a cult. We are good. And it didn't work out well. Well, whenever you have to go on record as saying I'm not something, usually you're... <laughs> <laughs> not a good indication of things to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because of that interview, or I think right after that interview, there was like shots fired at their camp, right, or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. started stockpiling some weapons yes. in response to uh, some extreme fear of uh, how people were reacting to them. And it was really interesting seeing the people that were in the documentary talk about it because a good amount of them were there. And one guy's like, I dodged the Vietnam draft. Like, 
I don't want. I don't know what. This is exactly what I do not want. <laughs> well, they moved to Hawaii to avoid a war too. So yes. So here is war now. And yeah. then another guy said, "Like I'd never used a gun before. Like even if someone came, it was dark in the jungle. What in the heck was I? I was probably going to shoot myself in the foot." <laughs> so、um, it was very interesting to see some of these followers because it's like. They they showed up for what was they were being told to do, but it seems like things were getting wildly out of control, and they didn't even know why things were happening the way that they were, and they didn't feel safe anymore. They didn't feel cared for anymore.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, things drastically going downhill. Yeah, and this took a huge toll on Yahweh. He actually started to tell his people, "I'm not a god." Yeah. You've learned everything you can from me. I am done, and this is something we saw too very early on with、uh, Heaven's Gate when we talked about them. T and Doe did the same. They told people like, "We're done. We taught you everything," but the followers are what kept them going. Yeah, they're like, "No, you know, and we're here for you." And so when Yod was doing this, Makushla was a big. Mm-hmm. Person that pushed him to be, keep going,、uh, she kind of became his main wife of the fourteen、uh, wives, and it was so interesting because he saw her as his spiritual mother. There was this one picture. I don't know if you remember this、yeah. in the documentary, <laughs> but it was like the. the Reenactment of the Piet is it the Pieta? Do you know you with Mary with、back. Jesus、yeah. on his back and and like he had just like a towel <laughs> draped over him, but other than that he was naked and it's the six four guy lying across this like nineteen year old girl <laughs> who's all tiny and it was vi- I was like、hmm, that's very Jesus and Mary like and also very weird okay,、yep. <laughs> um, but she became. Where Robin had been central before in being a mother-like figure in the group, Makushala kind of took that over, and she was still really pushing him. Be like, no, like you're our teacher, you are the one. Like we all believe in you.、Um, but I feel like he was very quickly wanting to find a way out. Yeah, and. In the documentary, they talk about how we see this with most cults, where the leader is done, and a lot of times it does not end well, like Heaven's Gate, with、mm-hmm. you know drinking the、uh, or eating the Jello,、mm-hmm. or with、uh, Jones and everybody drinking the Flavor Aid, which was not Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> so completely different. <laughs> completely different. Yeah. So so luckily, when they came and there was a large bowl of mushrooms offered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Yeah. So this is where we can talk about his hang gliding ability. <laughs> yes. So the date is August 25th, 1975, and Yahuwah wakes up and he sees Makushala, Makushala, who is wearing a black dress this day, which is very unusual. Usually she is in a flowing white dress. She knows. And he says, "It is appropriate that you have dressed this way." <laughs> and she's like,、oh, "I don't feel good about this. Where is this going?" And so he tells his followers that he is going to go hang gliding. <laughs> <laughs> he has never taken a hang gliding lesson. He will not be taking a hang gliding lesson. He has gotten his followers to obtain a hang gliding 
contraption, hang glider, hang, hang glider, yeah. kite thing okay. for him. <laughs> and they went up to the Makapu Cliffs, which are very, very tall cliffs within Hawaii. And he takes everyone up with him. Oh, on the way there, he says oh, a yes. Latin phrase to a passerby. I don't remember exactly, but it means like death is approaching, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So He was being very dramatic about this, you guys. <laughs> let me walk you through this moment. So he gets on the hang glider and he majestically flies into the sunset where he's never seen again. No. In his mind, that's what happened. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That was the plan. The, that plan was the plan was just flying out into the ocean, probably his way of ending it all and mm-hmm. wrapping everything in and a it was nice a windy little day, So it's a good day to yeah. do this plan. It is, it is. Um, but instead, <laughs> what if <laughs> the wind were to suddenly stop after one? threw oneself off a cliff on a hang glider. Um, then one might nosedive for a while, then pull up and do some circles, and then maybe have a crash landing down on a beach. Well, that's not as majestic. It's not, but it might, also, it might reach the same conclusion eventually. Okay. Maybe, maybe. So they all run down and they find him. He's just lying there on the beach. And actually his face, like he looked kind of like at first when they found him, like he was smiling, like, yeah. oh my gosh. Like he looked almost euphoric. And I'm like, he definitely took some drugs before he yeah. did this <laughs> to help him along, um, allegedly. And <laughs> he's lying there and everyone is like ooing and awing over him. They're all just... Oh, teacher, father. And there's a point where he says, should I go to the hospital? And Makushala is like, but you don't believe in that. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I I guess I uh, will not go to the hospital. (laughs) And then like a couple. Like nine hours later. Yeah, they carry him back up to the beach house i think it was yeah where they're staying they lie him out nine hours later he's dead he dies he passes away and rather than kind of reporting this right away they laid him in state for like three days because he's supposed to his soul is supposed to find his river of life i think it was called yes yeah We, we can't disturb his body while he's doing that important soul departing the body work which was yeah I don't know why they wouldn't have left him on the beach, but yeah, I guess. Well, he wasn't dead yet. Yeah, he wasn't dead there. So they were taking him somewhere more comfortable, Mm. and they probably didn't think he was going to die at that point. Like, this guy is God. (laughs) Like, I mean, he just said he wasn't, but we all know. We all know. He's God. Um, So, yeah, he passes away. After three days, they finally (laughs) call in the people to take his body away. And what was really interesting was then when the article was in the paper, it had the story about his death, and right underneath it, there was a story about a brand new star that showed up in the Hawaiian sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they were like, it's him. And I was like, he died three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. <laughs> but, you know, it was a miracle. It was a, another miracle. Another yeah. miracle. And uh, Mukushala took over the group for about the next two years, but 
it just wasn't the same and they disbanded. Yeah, slowly everyone drifted in different ways. So really, this all happened like over a period of like five years almost. Like I guess the restaurant started in 69 and then this all kind of ended in 75 or the two years after. But like it was a relatively short-lived thing. And now you see so many of the members living normal lives. I mean, some of them are living interesting lives um, off the grid and they're not going to tell you where their food is. (laughs) Um, But there are also like, Electra is like a psychotherapist and also a, a life coach. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. Like one of them is a leader in uh, stem cell research. You said leader like you're one of the aliens. A leader. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. But yeah, stem cell re- researcher. One of them sold off their, uh, their tech, tech company, company for $60 million. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, a lot of these people grew up to be really normal. (laughs) Well, and I think what a lot of them said they took away from the group, which is something very inspiring, is that they kind of lost their inhibitions from being with this group. And they were Mm -hmm. encouraged by Yahuwah to reach for their dreams and go out of their comfort zone. So I think that's a good message to take from it was a really weird time for these people, but at least they got that out of it. Yeah. And it's we said they didn't really regret it. They don't regret the time that they had Mm -hmm. here. They would not do it again uh, now that they know what they know, but Mm -hmm. they don't regret what happened. So yeah, now ISIS is still serving as the source family historian, Mm -hmm. which is why in this uh, documentary, you got to see a lot of that actual firsthand videos and pictures of what was happening there. And I know that you guys are really curious about the Yahuwah 13. Wasn't really. I'm pretty sure you are really curious about it. And don't worry, they are back together. (laughs) They now come back together to play together, to do shows. So once things open up again, you might be able to see them again soon. Yeah, with the other 10 people. Um. (laughs) Cult following. They have a cult following. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I did find it interesting. A couple of the other people, when it was talking about what happened to them afterwards, it, a few of them listed like, after this, they went to go join Lifespring in the fourth way and Advaita and love Israel family. So some of them also went on to join other cults. Yeah. After this. I think... One thing I've noticed and one thing I was reading about is cults give people a certain sense of like, I don't have to do it myself. I don't have to follow fashion trends. I don't have to look into politics because somebody's telling me what to do and what to believe in. It's nice sometimes to let go of the reins and just be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's definitely what the Source family brought to people. And like, while like not... It doesn't seem completely horrible. There's certain things that, like, were really problematic, like the control that was placed over women. There was a lot of the underage things going on, and there was a lot of people being forced to. Like, so the women weren't always choosing to be with Yahuwah or Father Yod. They were being forced to. Mm -hmm. um, And 
maybe not physically by force, but by like the other wives really kind of shaming them if they didn't. And, um, (laughs) because of the way that they were as a family, they had problems with, you know, like hepatitis outbreaks. Yeah. There was, and because they didn't believe in medicine (laughs) and taking medicine, uh, it it was bad. (laughs) It was really, really bad. And I guess, Father Yod wasn't a huge fan of the children, despite him wanting all the women to have the children. Um, so, like, one of his ways of punishing them was to put them in, like, wooden boxes. Like, oh. you're being bad, shove you in a box, stay there. Very, you know. Not good. Yeah, very covered under the stairs (laughs) very very not good um so there was definitely i feel like because the documentary came from a lot of the people that were previously in it and from like with the historian providing a lot of stuff who she really still cares about it i feel like they did gloss over some things that were problematic yeah Mm -hmm. speaking of problematic Mm -hmm. Let's go through our tenants, yes. shall we? Let us. Charismatic leader. I think we might have had one of those. Yeah, and you could say that they fell apart when they lost that leader. Yep, it's true. Alienation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people sold off all their belongings yeah. and gave all the proceeds to this group. So that was one of the big problems is if people wanted to leave... Sometimes they couldn't because they didn't have a cent to their name. What were they going to do? Where were they going to go? They were kind of trapped. It's true. Ooh. And a one, one of the sisters, do you remember when the sister talked about heaven and how it was like her sister had been replaced by a vacant hippie? Oh, and someone yeah. else called. He's like, I actually didn't like the source uh, restaurant because it was all just like a lot of robots there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. How about, well, belief system, yes. Mm-hmm. There, there were some beliefs being had, a lot of beliefs. Outside yeah. evil? Meat. Meat. <laughs> yeah, I war. don't think that was as awful. I think the war was a big yeah. scare and yeah. it added at the end there. And then sense of community. We touched on that a lot. <laughs> there might be some community. <laughs> there here. might be some community. So would we say this one is a cult? Yeah, I think this is an example of almost a good cult, except for the the stuff you talked about, Father yeah. Yod himself. Unfortunately, I think a lot of these cults, they're made by having a charismatic leader, but they're broken by having that charismatic leader because when he goes mm-hmm. crazy, he or she. Yes. And I will say, so like this guy definitely went crazy, mm-hmm. definitely took people for a ride a long time. I'm really glad that at the end when he was looking for his out that he didn't bring the group along with him because this so easily yeah. could have gone away of Jonestown. That would have been expensive for all those hang gliders. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent a lot of money and I have this one hang glider. <laughs> spent yeah. too much on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see where the fish are. It's important. That may be... It makes me think of the Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was the anti-shark the, bat spray. The, yeah. 
the bat repellent shark spray. Yes. If you haven't seen the Adam West Batman movie, it's very long. It's like two hours. It's so good. They label everything and it's labeled ridiculously. And I Batman is on the ladder of a helicopter and Robin's flying the helicopter and he's, he wants to be put down on this cruise ship, but it's an illusion. So it's just water. <laughs> so he dips into the water, but when Robin pulls him back out, there's a shark, shark on, on him <laughs> and he's trying to fight the shark, but he can and he has to get the anti-shark bat yeah, repellent. Robin, get me the bat repellent shark spray. And the best part is Robin looks to his side where there's the squid repellent sharks or bat repellent squid whatever. You know. There's different it's ones. Funny. He has to search for the shark one. Because there's so many to choose from. Watch it. It's good. And that is our for today. Yeah. So next week we are going to get into, speaking of Batman and speaking mm-hmm. of the mascara, we have a lot of DC references because next week we're talking about Jared Leto. Yeah. And his little group. Yeah. Group. He, has, he has some some people that are starting to follow him in interesting ways. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you can find me on Hanging with the Hollowells, where I'm going through season six through eight of Charmed. And you can also find Sean and myself on the Marvelous Galaxy of Disney podcast. And you can find me and my good friend on A Real Bodice Ripper, a podcast about romance novels. (laughs) Today, yeah. Anthony said a real bodice ripper to me exactly the way you do. So that's how really? it's heard in this household. I <laughs> love that. It, it has a specific tone that it yes. must be said with. All right. So join us next week. We're going to get into Jared Leto. We have one more week after that. And then we'll be going on a short break. Woohoo! Bye. Bye. Bye.